What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye, getting to chat with some very, very cool individuals. And today is a very special episode, not only for me, but it's a first time on the show. We have three guests. That's right. You heard that right. Three guests on today's show, all coming from my all-time favorite sports team, the Providence College Men's Swimming and Diving Program. We have Big East champs Kevin Hood and Justin Vioto and the head coach John O'Neill joining the show. Now, I had to have these three on after an unbelievable history-making season at the Big East champs. Kevin Hood was the first friar in over 35 years to win an individual gold at the Big East champs. Justin uh, coupled that the next day. Uh, winning gold in the two fly and for the first time and I, I mean I don't know how long I don't know if this has ever happened but John O'Neill and his staff was named Big East coaching staff of the year on the men's side um, at the end of the meet so it was such an historic season such an incredible season obviously coming off of the challenges of being in collegiate athletics in the COVID year so it was such a great opportunity to get to chat with the boys and John on what crazy of a year it was. So without further ado, I have three distinguished guests on today's podcast. Please welcome Kevin Hood, Justin Vioto, and John O'Neill. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've been looking forward to this one. For the first time on the show, we have three guests today, and they all happen to come from my favorite team. Hailing from Providence College Swimming and Diving, we have Big East champs Kevin Hood, Justin Vioto, and the head coach of Friars Swimming and Diving Program, also named Men's Coaching Staff of the Year, Mr. John O'Neill. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. How are we doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Jared. I'm doing great, too. Thank you. John? Doing good. good? <laughs> I love it. Well, I guess we could just jump right into it, right, guys? I mean, what a wild season. John, I guess I'll, I'll start with you. Coming off the 2020 season, you guys had just wrapped up things from an in-season perspective at Big East, finishing in February of 2020, and then making those adjustments March, April, May. What was kind of the biggest difference for you from those off-season months into when the kids returned back to campus in August, September, October, what were those first few months like coming back? Well, we didn't, we didn't see anyone for a, six months or so. So it was, it was very different <clears throat> having to adjust to, uh, you know, a year ago, I didn't even know what Zoom was. So now it's become a standard operating procedure. So, I mean, everything, Everything was different uh, a year ago. Um, we tried to keep the spring as normal as we could for, for the gang. We did uh, our individual meetings like this. We did all the things we typically do in the spring. We had a virtual banquet. We did our, our voting, our, you know, all those kinds of things. We tried to keep it in a timeline, but they were all spread about in the country. And we didn't, you know, some of them were able to get and find water. Some of them, you know, were not. And uh, so it was very, very different uh, off season and, and very challenging for, for everybody. Um, then we got back and everything had to be scripted out. So um, it was, it was, it has been a grind. There's only one word for it. The whole year was a grind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Kevin, Justin, what about you guys? What was it like coming back after uh, ridiculous off season for lack of a better term. And then coming back and still kind of being in that state of the unknown, I guess. Yeah. So to make it, to throw like an even bigger wrench in the bone, me and Kevin weren't here last semester either. For, um, different re like basically we didn't, we weren't exactly sure what we were doing. I didn't mm. even take classes last semester. So mm. it was definitely coming back, not knowing some of my teammates going to the year. Cause usually like I typically like to reach out to everyone, get to know them beforehand, but not knowing like, some of the freshmen going into maybe February, I think was a huge wrench. And I would say basically the uncertainty of not knowing whether or not we were going to have a certain meet a certain day, whether or not, you know, even the fact that like practice tomorrow, if we had it, for example, it wasn't really guaranteed. Right. So I went through a big wrench. So. 
Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I mean, I didn't get here until like two or three weeks after the semester started. So just coming back into like, because I stayed at home too and I trained with my home team and I, I took classes online, but it was just a weird feeling to come back like three weeks after the semester starts with like meet starting. Like we had a swim meet the week, like seven days after I first got back on campus. So like, I didn't even know if I was going to be cleared to go to like the first two meets. So it was just crazy feeling, but it all, it all played out really well. What, what would you say was the biggest change for you too? Was it the, was it the new way of learning? Was it the new way of going to school or was it really like this new way of training? Oh, I think it's just all fit together. It, like, it's hard to, I think that that's a good question because it's like all fit together. I would say just like being able to completely readjust yourself where, and I would say just getting used to not being able to control the circumstances at all times. For example, like a week into the season, I was put into the hotel for a week and I didn't, I didn't have coronavirus thankfully, but I was able to like still try to train and like do whatever I could to just like try to get myself an edge and to do whatever's necessary. Cause like training again, wasn't really guaranteed every single day. So I guess just the uncertainty. Yeah, it was really uncertain. Mm -hmm. I, um, at one point we, we it was like a Thursday or Friday and we were like getting ready to go to UConn for a swim meet. And then as soon as we leave practice, the meet gets canceled. So just a lot of uncertainty. That was probably the biggest change. Yeah. And, and, and kind of as the year progressed, I feel like as a swimmer and John, as a coach, you probably had more questions than answers. How did you guys and the team kind of block out those distractions, whether it was meet cancellations the day of or what have you, like what was kind of the way you guys focused in on your guys' training? John, I'll start with you. Well, maybe the, I haven't, I haven't seen the guys since, uh, since big East, uh, you know, we've had a week or so away from each other, but maybe they'll, they'll echo this as, as to something, in hindsight, we did pretty well, but one of my goals was to keep them in the moment, to keep them mentally about the week we were in. And while always planning for whatever the future was gonna bring, um, I tried to keep their heads in, in that workout and that workout week. If we, if we had to meet that week, we were gonna make the, make the most of that opportunity if we weren't uh, competing that Saturday, then we were going to make the most of that uh, that workout time, that kind of thing, and just keep their heads there and not worry so much about what could happen two or three weeks from now. We weren't guaranteed two or three days uh, in advance. And <clears throat> if someone tested positive or, you know, even in a quarantine situation, as Justin just mentioned, you could be, you know, you could be, uh, called and, and contacted and the next thing you know you know you're you're out of the water for a week and you got to make the, the most of of that so it was really uh, a week-to-week -week, almost day-to-day -day operation where we just tried to stay focused on what we could control and and not worry about the elements that we couldn't and I you know I guess we did that pretty well given given the, the both teams performed so well in Ohio um, but I don't, I don't think I ever sugarcoated that for anybody. The guys would probably be a better barometer of that for me. I don't, I tried to keep a, their heads in the right place. Yeah. Guys, like, I mean, Justin, maybe for you, like was coach Anderson sending you workouts while you're in a hotel room? Like what, like what kind of wrenches were, I mean, thrown at you for training wise and kind of just keeping your head mentally focused on obviously not only academics, but swimming. Yeah, definitely. When I was in a hotel room, I would do like, any type of workouts I could. I remember one day in particular, I turned my room to 75 degrees and just did jumping jacks and push-ups for an hour to just try to help me just stay in shape. So it's really anything I could. But I'm um, going back to what Coach O'Neill was referring to. I would just say that he did a really good job. Yeah, just keeping us focused on the exact workout because we knew that maybe the next day wasn't guaranteed in terms of getting back results. So just keeping us focused one day at a time and really not um, – I generally only tell us when something he knew was a fact was going to happen, was going to actually happen. You know, no rumors, no any of that, just straight to the facts. So I think that was extremely effective as well. I'll say um, he did a great job with me too because um, I got contact traced a couple of times. So actually, like, if I sat down and counted the practices, I might have done more practices, like, isolated than I did with the entire team. <laughs> and so he did a good job of, like, when me and my room would have to practice by ourselves, like, he would always have the set ready. He would have us train and do the exact same stuff as everybody else. And I mean, it was, it was really effective for me and my roommates, even though we couldn't like swim with the team all the time, because that was just another part of the uncertainty. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be tough, too. Just like, I mean, I, I remember morning practices by myself. And, and John, you, you can say this, too. Like, I think it's a lot more a lot more motivating when you have your teammates or like the Saturday boys practices versus, you know, the 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 extended practice you have by yourself or two other people for sure. Well, we we ran workouts this year. We were, we ran more workouts a day than we ever have. Yeah. Um, due to various reasons, whether, you know, the traditional class conflicts, keeping the team separate, uh, doing, doing what we needed to do with a individual group that, that might, you know, might be a pending situation as Kevin just mentioned. So we were out of an abundance of caution. We were keeping them away from the team, uh, you know, pending more testing. So it was just this nonstop adjustments for, for Margaret and I, and, and we just would run workouts all day and it'd take, it would take all day to see them all, but, but we got it done. Yeah. And, and John, what was it like for you kind of building out the schedule and the season with talking other coaches at other programs with like, still not knowing if, and when you guys can have, you know, dual meets against other programs? Well, we, we were fortunate. Uh, we, you know, everybody quite literally was in the same boat. It was, was kind of nice talking to colleagues from different leagues because they didn't know what they were wind up doing and we didn't know what we were going to wind up doing. And we, we were, we were fortunate in, in, in that some of our traditional rivals were able to uh, visit Providence and, and come for home meets. And we, we kind of uh, settled in on, um, uh, you know, where we had a, <clears throat> a corresponding date, we would split the team. So, uh, women would swim one day or at one place while the men swim at our place, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so w we made it all work. Um, it was very different. We even got to uh, stream a couple of our home meets, which I know the parents really, uh, uh, I mean, again, I, I understand completely. I think the parents were really appreciative of the opportunity to see, see them swim. Um, but it was a very different environment inside the net. Um, the guys uh, had a lot of home meets and I was pretty, pretty pleased with them. Uh, they really, they really got into it. They raced well, but even better than that, they supported each other. Well, and, uh, again, just trying to make the most of, of the couple of months we had straight uh, where we, we got training and we, we were able to keep training um, and then racing. Uh, we knew, we knew we had, some fast freshmen and we knew we had some upperclassmen who were responding to, uh, to their presence, let's say, and uh, it, we were gelling. And again, it showed, it showed in Ohio in a big way. Absolutely. Largest, loudest and proudest team there. That's for sure. Absolutely. And, and kind of over to Kevin and Justin, like what was it like for you guys to finally get that opportunity to race? I mean, just, I mean, I know that was like the first meet of the season, sick and tired of swimming practices at the Nat. Like, it was finally time to race. I'm sure you guys were just like you know, itching at the bit to finally get off the blocks. What was that like for you guys, those first few dual meets? Um, well, actually the first meet, so I, I swam a couple meets at home, um, but I was, the meets at home don't compare to like the energy at the Nat for a home meet or even an away meet. But um, I remember I was in the water with J.O. and Justin actually on like the Friday before the meet. And then Jay was like, Kevin, I got some really good news for you. And I was like, what? He said, this meet is only fifties and hundreds. And I'm, I love the 50 and the hundred. So that, that, that really just made me excited to get, get into the meets. And then just every meet is just so exciting. Like there's really just no feeling like racing in front of like the team and just the energy you get from the team. Yeah. I would definitely second that. I would say I was definitely nervous for the first meet. Like, almost like a freshman year, like I hadn't swam in almost a year for a meet. So I was definitely very nervous. But one thing that I think is really important to mention is like the overall improvement, not just in terms of times from one meet to the next, in terms of like overall sphere, I would say like you could tell as JL talked about, each meet we start gelling more and more. Each person started cheering for their fellow, not just like classmate, their fellow like teammate every single time. You didn't really see like a bunch of different classes. You really just saw one cohesive team and like, a brotherhood of like people that just want to like improve and like encourage their like fellow teammates to improve. So I think that was definitely huge as well. I love that. And John, what would my reaction be if you told me that we were just doing fifties and hundreds, I'd say, can I scratch this meat? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much.
<laughs> pretty much. All right. What was John for you, like in talking with the other coaches at, at big East, what was the planning behind how to run as successfully and as smoothly as you guys did, uh, you know, a big East meet with all those teams coming from different areas. Well, we, we met this year going back to last, I think it was July. Normally we have two, maybe three coaches meetings a year. We had, we had coaches meetings talking about the championships uh, every pretty much every two weeks. Wow. Um, it was, it was that detailed. Um, and James Green at the, at the Big East, um, who is our, uh, take care of our sport and essentially runs our meet along with the, um, so, I mean, he was, he was instrumental in both uh, keeping us as informed as possible uh, about what the conferences were doing, our conference and all the others um, all his colleagues at the conference level, how are they going to make it work? Were they going to shift their schedule? Those kinds of things. Uh, and, um, and then getting down to the nitty gritty, where are we going to sit? Where are we going to, how are we going to sit? How are we going to enter the building? All of it, every single thing I was telling people, everything that these guys did in Ohio was scripted and everything that we did as a team was scripted. I mean, right down to where we stopped for lunch and pulled off and ate. we ate outside, the weather cooperated. We were able to eat outside in a park, drive, you know, from there out to um, Spire, get to the, the hotel, the meals, everything was scripted. Um, and I think when you're that organized, it helps the athletes. Um, it's, it, it's, you know, when you first read it, it seems like uh, overkill, but then when you read that and you know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, I think it just decreases everybody's stress level. And you can, when something happens, it's not a big deal. You can, you can make that adjustment. Um, if a bus is late or something like that, you can just make instant adjustment and everybody stays calm. That's what we want. We want, we want everything to be smooth sailing because we want the athletes to focus on what they have, to, you know, get rest when they need to get rest, get fed when they need to get fed and be ready to race when they're ready to go. And, and so um, there's never been a championship with so much planning behind it. Um, you know, Josh had it at, uh, at Spire was in on all of our calls from pretty much December, November, December on every two weeks. Um, uh, they became weekly uh, leading up to the championship. So um, it was, everything these guys experienced was was talked about and talked through and, and planned and and again I, I saw our team and our program embrace everything and and make the most out of it um, and and um, every both the women and the men swam swam great it was a um, really outstanding outstanding performance Absolutely. And I mean, if I remember the emails that you would send the days leading up to Big East and how detailed those were, I can only imagine uh, what these ones were like. Uh, But let's so let's obviously talk about uh, the Big East performances of these two specifically. Uh, Kevin, this one's more for you. Now, my understanding is that you placed 10th in the 100 breasts last year at Big East as a freshman. Uh, Now, I don't want to ask the obvious question of like, okay, so the goal was to win it this year because kind of the actions speak for itself, right? But what did you take from that experience your freshman year and even just your your first year as a swimmer at Providence and taking that into your preparation for this year's Big East? Well, the good thing, a lot of good came from um, just last year in general. Like, I mean, I got a whole experience at a big meet because Big East last year was probably one of the biggest meets I've had, so... I had like that experience under my belt. I, I think I dropped like a second and a half for my hundred in high school. So I already knew I was in a good direction. And um, I knew when Jay was training, it was, re- it was just working really well for me. I was dropping time in my two rest, drop time in my 53. Um, and then going into this year, I saw some of like the, the um, I guess, seniors leave. And I just knew with the training that I had this year, um, I just, I knew that was like a realistic, realistic chance. And then as I started training, got like training back here. And then as the dual meet started going back and I started dropping more time, I just, um, 
it just it started looking more likely in my head. And then I remember uh, after uh, practices, sometimes Jay, I remember one practice, Jay came up to me um, and I was practicing starts and he's like, Kevin, remember, go out in the eight back in the 10. <laughs> like, remember that the adrenaline behind that block will bring you to a nine or nine, nine and a half. So you just got to remember when the race actually comes, you got to go out at eight, come back at 10. And that's just what I tried to focus on. And Kevin, let me tell you, that philosophy goes for the 100, the 500, and the 1650, <laughs> especially at Big E's, right? Uh, John, what was the biggest change that you saw in Kevin's training from his freshman year to this year? He was much more consistent, um, and uh, he's stronger. Um, and this is a guy that's pretty strong anyway. Uh, I don't think he's got an ounce of uh, body fat on him, but uh, more to the point, his his um, his strength and consistency in swimming. At one point, I told him, you know, while the breaststrokes are there, um, it's it's you know it's it's kind of like Justin's fly. It's there. You can see it. Anybody could see it. One of the one of the one of the clear things he had done well uh, while while he was home was improved his freestyle and which has allowed him to improve his overall conditioning uh, meaning he can uh, he wasn't struggling on base sets as much in fact he was embracing them really killing them uh, and that just elevated his game big time um, and and so that was really encouraging uh, when he came back it was it was dramatic I pointed it out to the team one day even um, that he had made the most of his opportunity while he was at home to, to work on that and clearly had become a better swimmer um, because he was doing better intervals, maintaining, you know, that whole consistent base. And, and again, that rolled right into the confidence in his breaststroke. He, uh, he was swimming uh, almost right away the, in his breaststroke, his stroke rate and his speed match what he was doing at the end of his freshman year and um, so we knew had some special going there yeah and in something special you did right so Friday night Kevin you became the first friar uh, in 35 years to win an individual gold at the Big East championship uh, my first question I guess to that was did you know that going in like did you know it's been 35 years well actually I was talking with Marge before uh, I think Thursday because I I didn't find the 53 I wasn't even close uh, <laughs> I was not close. <laughs> and I was, the priest I was doing so good. What happened? <laughs> it's a work in progress. It's a work. Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not. I don't have control over it. It's something. <laughs> but, um, I was talking to Marge because um, I was. I think I was like ranked number one. So I was like, "Well, Marge, has anybody ever won?" And we were like, "She's like, I don't know if anybody's ever won." And I was like, "Well, if I win, could I get a ride in the Mustang?" Because uh, Newell had a Mustang. <laughs> Can I get a ride in the Mustang on the way to? The next session and she's like yeah Kevin if you win you can do that so the whole time I was just thinking that I was the first person everyone but either way I mean it was an incredible accomplishment um and the the ride in the Mustang was really well it was a really nice day got to take the top down so I love it. I love it. John what was what was that feeling like for you when you saw Kevin hit the wall well his race execution was excellent much like Justin's uh, and so I knew he'd put himself in a really on the first 50, he put himself in a position to win. And then his, uh, on his third wall and his breakout at that point, I knew, all right, he's going to, he's going to go get this because he had been closing so well. Um, and the only, my only fear, if you will, it wasn't really a fear because I, I, I think he had been swimming so, so um, controlled, if you will. Um, but my fear was he'd spin his wheels a little bit and get, get so amped up on the first 50 that he'd, he'd lock up coming home. But so when I saw the first 50, I was in pretty good shape and we broke out clean off the third wall. It was just, they're not, they weren't going to catch him no. and they didn't. <laughs> no, I, I watched the race and I've never seen a, a faster pace brushstroke. I mean, John knows this, my brushstroke was a thing of beauty at probably. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, like 
and the out of the 10 back in a prayer we've seen it done time and time again and and props to you kevin for kind of keeping it in control especially as a top seed right you, you probably mm. were just i mean like lightning out of a bottle coming out of that we're going to take a quick break from this interview to hear from our new sponsors over at ips serve and water sports this new partnership i'm so stoked about ips serve is an exclusive water sport complex located right on Long Lake in the beautiful lake region of Maine. They offer personalized instruction for a variety of different water sports, including wake surfing, water skiing, and many more. Originally from Westford, Massachusetts, founder and world champion wake surfer Ian Scott found his love and passion for water sports at a very early age. He is dedicated to sharing his years of action sport wisdom with his clients and unlocking that true potential in people that they didn't even realize they had. Guys, entering a new element, especially the water, for many people can be an intimidating journey. So IPS Surf is here to provide a safe and specialized instruction to ensure their customers leave with a smile on their face and that feeling of accomplishment. With professional and qualified instructors, best-in-class towboats, and equipment IPS Surf is more than ready to host you and your crew out on the lake this summer. It's just two and a half hours north of Boston. And to show our appreciation to our listeners, IPS Surf will be offering two very, very sick packages. We're going to have the normal guy package and we're going to have the lazy eye package. So let me tell you about these. All right. So the normal guy package, you're going to get 20% off a two hour individual session. So you can bring yourself and one of your friends with an IPS surf uh, instructor. This is more for the people that are really have an appetite to learn. The normal guy package gives you the best opportunity to focus and improve your skills out on the water. This two hour session will allow you for that ultimate one-on-one time with a professional instructor centralized on your development. Now, the lazy eye package. This is gonna be your squad package. This is gonna give you 20% off a full day. That's six hours out on the lake with your squad. You could bring eight, nine, 10 of your closest friends. It's a perfect way to get the whole crew out there enjoying the magic of what IPS Surf has to offer. The lazy eye session will include everything you need for an exceptional day out on the lake with over seven different water sports to choose from. Guys, seven different water sports. You're gonna be able to mix and match with your favorite activities for the perfect session you have been dreaming about. We have all been dreaming about what next summer is gonna look like. This is an excellent idea for any family or friends outings, birthdays, it's just the perfect day out on the lake. And if you haven't seen any footage of like what IPS Surf has to offer, let me try and paint this picture. So one of the sports that they offer is called wake surfing, which is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen down on the lake. It's an endless wave created by the boat, and it basically allows you to surf this like clean and customizable wave with nothing directly attaching you to the boat. So they offer this like, it's just this like, you're you're surfing, like I'm a SoCal kid, you're out there surfing, but you're out on the lake. They also have your favorites, including like water skiing and wakeboarding. They also offer more of those like technical sports for more of our advanced folks looking to step up their adventure game here, which is like barefoot skiing. You've seen those videos on on Instagram, wake kiting and surface latest phenomenon, hydrofoiling. So don't just take my word for it. Go visit IPS Surf and Water Sports up in Brigton, Maine, just two and a half hours from Boston to see for yourselves what the hype is all about. Go follow them on Instagram at IPS Surf and go over to IPSSurf.com to book those sessions. Now back to the interview. But uh, over to Justin and the two fly. And I know John's going to laugh at this, but you quite literally have the worst lineup of events when it comes to a championship meet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, between the 500 free, 400 IM, and two fly, and then you also will do the sprinkle in the 800 and the 1650 when the team needs you to. What's the mind game that you tell yourself before like a full slate like that? Is it take one race at a time, or are you sometimes kind of looking ahead at what tomorrow is going to bring? Oh, I just try to do it one race at a time because I know that like looking ahead will just distract me on like the goal and focus. Not again, just like this season's really taught me importance of controlling the controllables. So I really just want to control what I was doing in terms of a morning swim. And um, I think something I did really well this year is during the morning swims, trying to get myself in a middle lane and being able to execute that going into the nights. So this way I had like a good view of my competition every single time. So just taking it one swim at a time, I think was probably the best um, strategy for me. Yeah. And uh, now we all know I wanted you to swim the mile. I like, I'm mean, <laughs> a little biased. I wanted you to swim the mile. But when I checked Meet Mobile and saw that you'd scratch the mile, 
I was thinking to myself, okay, well, he must have done pretty well in the two fly if, if John let him scratch smile. And I saw that you were third, <laughs> and my exact text to you was, in quotes, expecting gold in the two fly for you to scratch the mile. Now, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, most people would have said I jinxed you there. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest. When I hit send, I was like, oh, crap, he's, he's not going to get it now. Um, but uh, sure enough, one one hundredth of a second separated you from second place and a true come from behind in true Phelps fashion or true Vioto fashion. Uh, did you did you feel that guy from uh, Seton Hall was shortening up there on that last 25? Yeah, I had no idea until I watched the replay how far behind I was because I knew that going in after the first 100, which is crazy because you'll never hear someone say this, I was probably like a body length and a half behind. And I was like, I could still win this because I knew that um, Justin Oosterwick is who I raced on. Um, that was in lane four. He has great front end speed. So I don't, that's kind of why I struggled. So I knew that I still had a chance. And with the 25 left, I just like tried to push my underwires out as far as I could and just little by little. I really had no idea how far behind I was though. And John, I'm assuming you, you knew it all the way through. He had it, right? Uh, he, he, again, just like Kevin, he executed a race plan perfectly. I didn't overcoach Justin. It's something we've talked about. All the elements to his race, he's worked on for, again, over a year, going back to improving his underwaters, improving his breakouts. He was eight strokes coming back. Um, and, and again, it, it just just spot on. I, I really thought he'd close. Uh, he closes on everyone, Raul, but I really thought he'd close there very well. And it was, it was very gratifying to see him do such a great job. And it's interesting you, 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 you mentioned um, one of the finishes that Phelps did is exactly what Justin did at the end of, of that race where he, he finished with a full stroke and extended his fingertips to the uh, pad and, and, and just kind of extended. Uh, and it was, it was the word I said to myself, cause I, um, he's coming home, he's coming home strong. And I right. just, said, I told Justin this at one point, I said, and I just said to myself, extend. And it was almost you know, at the, at the moment he did, he reached and extended and, and um, the Seton Hall swimmer kind of tried to do the same thing, but he was, he was hanging on for dear life at that point and it wasn't quite, uh, and, and so I'll take it one, 100 look good to me. Yeah. The champ's still <laughs> champ. All right. And uh, no longer the shy freshman sitting in the back of the van at Lawrence, Kansas. What, <laughs> what, what has, what has been like the biggest thing you've seen in Justin's progression from that freshman year and, and praying to God that he was going to survive that weekend with us in Lawrence uh, versus maybe what you've been seeing from Justin nowadays. Well, he's, he's uh, obviously grown. Uh, he's not quiet. Um, and uh, <laughs> not anymore. He's, he's, he's always got a lot. He's both these guys got a lot in their minds and, uh, it's usually they're swim junkies like you, Jared, um, are always, always watching. Sometimes they'll come in and say, you know, Justin will come in and say, did you see what so-and-so from Xavier did last weekend? I said, I'm still trying to figure out what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> thing, you know, right. and, and so me again, try to keep them in the moment, keep them, you know, day to day, week to week, just build, just keep building that, that foundation and you get the opportunity to put it all together. It's, it's going to be good. And, and so, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's grown into, uh, uh, quite a leader in the water and out the guys all look to him. Uh, there's no question. Uh, he is a member of a really great class for us and Kevin would echo that. Um, uh, they're a dedicated group of guys who, uh, have done very, very well for us, both in the water and out and represented our program well. And, uh, so, um, you know, here we are, we're going to blink and they're going to be seniors, but, um, there you go. That's just the way the world these days. It's, uh, the COVID year seems to have taken forever. And yet, um, here we are, um, uh, talking about next September and at this point I'm scheduling for next year as, as, as things, uh, look to uh swing back to uh almost normal and those kinds of things and um yeah you know kevin hood's going to be a junior and and just going to be a senior so um great experience this year is going to really help us and and we hope to uh hope to keep building on it
Yeah, I, I would say uh, Liam, Pat, and I did a pretty good job of cracking Justin's shell open pretty early. Uh, <laughs> There's no so, question. I'm, I'm just glad you didn't like, you know, have me drive off and leave him somewhere out there. So, you know, tell me the count was right or something, you know, <laughs> the way you guys were torturing him. Tell him he had an extra lap at the, in, the, in the middle of the lake. Oh, <laughs> God. So, I don't think I would have survived. <laughs> left at the next buoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now over to the true man of the meet, right? John, you, Marge, and Andy were named men's coaching staff of the year. 11 school records across the board for both men and women. Two big, big East champs, obviously sitting right here. Now, I know I said this over text, but I really want to say congratulations to you. What does this award mean to you in the program? And thinking back to that first practice of the year and kind of that still uncertainty of what this year is going to look like. What did that kind of all accumulate to uh, when you received that award? Well, we didn't, uh, we were on the other side of the pool, as you've maybe seen from the video. So, uh, or, or from the playback. So when they announced it, we didn't really, I'm talking about Margaret and I now, because we were actually standing next to each other at that point. We didn't actually hear it. And I just kind of turned to Margaret and she looked at me and I said, did they say us? And, and the kids started going nuts. Right. Um, and they repeated it a little, you know, Providence again. And I heard it and I was like, oh man. And then Xavier, who was right next to us on that side of the pool, they started going nuts. They were just as excited. Um, and, and I think, I think what happened there was it's very unusual in our sport where, where most times uh, those awards very, very often go to the winning team because they've done a great job. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and again, they did on the women's side this year, they went to Villanova and they did a great job winning the meet. They were challenged by Connecticut and responded, that kind of thing. But on the men's side, um, you know, it, they really recognized a program that had really, again, every guy that went in the water and, and, and really all, all the ladies, the ladies did a great job and, and outscored Butler and in, in their matchup. Um, yeah. The guys have done a great job all weekend and, and our team and our program, both the men and the women have done a fantastic job cheering for each other and just being just all in on the meet from the, from the day we walked in to warm up the first day to, uh, to the last relay. And so I think it was a real team recognition. It's kind of where I'm going at. It wasn't a coach of the year thing or even a staff of the year or whatever, whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called now. Um, but it was a recognition of our program that went far beyond uh, myself, you know, uh, and, and to a large degree, uh, it's been great back on campus because it really brought a lot of recognition to our program. And, you know, I love that. As you know, we're, you guys all know, we're, inherently under the radar and I think you know uh, maybe unless you're you know Texas men swimming you're you're under the radar at every school in America right. just the way it is um, but to the to the extent that that it brought a lot of recognition to our program and uh, deservedly so I, I, I was thrilled for for everybody in the program that uh, you know Margaret's hard work and and just you know couldn't have been prouder of the way the team conducted themselves in Ohio from, from every aspect. They just, they killed the meat and, and every other aspect of the trip. So, um, you know, it was a really great team award that, uh, that I think everybody embraced. And again, they, we, we haven't had a lot to be excited about this year, but boy, the last two months were great. And uh, that last week in Ohio raced a lot of the fall I raced a lot of those weeks when you were in quarantine or, or, you know, things weren't going our way or whatever. We were uh, on pause at one point, all of that stuff gets erased uh, when you have a meet like that. And that's great. That's exactly what it should be. You know, we're a couple of weeks away from uh, classes wrapping up and exams and finish off strong here. And we set the table for next year and everybody does it with a lot of wind in their sails. So all good stuff. Yeah, and before I pass it to Kevin and Justin to kind of echo what John said, like I would even say for the alumni too, like seeing obviously seeing Kevin and Justin win titles that we'd never won in many, many of years, and then seeing that too, like having been at that meet and watching 
Villanova's coaching staff take it home for the you know hundredth time and and you know a, a very deserving men's program when the you know win the title and win coaching staff of the year it was like hey you know here's some stuff for the little guy and it was it was exciting to see but uh, Kevin and Justin like I saw the video of you guys jumping and screaming when uh, when the coaches got the award what was that what was it like over at kind of like base camp for the Friars over there <laughs> so I actually at that point I will didn't realize where I put my AirPods, so I went behind to the pool deck, and all of a sudden, I go back out through the door, and I saw J.L., Marjorie, and Andy walking up, and I had no idea what they were walking up for, but everyone's freaking out. So slowly, I, like, put the puzzle pieces together to realize exactly what they had just done, and so it was, like, the only way to, like, end it, because that was just such a beautiful weekend. It was so fitting to see them win it. Um, I talked a lot about how, like, how loud we were as a team and proud. We are as a team that's obviously a direct um, reflection on leadership and the way that he's just prepared this whole year and how well he's done, how well Marge has done, how well Andy's done, like, Dan Newell as well, and Ken, shout out Ken, Sam. But um, they've, done, they've done such a great job preparing us this year, and we couldn't have done it without them. Now, that was just basically the only way to end a perfect weekend, I think. Yeah, I was right next to my, – my bag was right next to Jail and uh, Marge, so I was – I was right there in the mix. We just started jumping, going crazy. Xavier was over there uh, celebrating us too. So it was probably one of my favorite parts of the weekend, uh, and especially a great, a great way to end the weekend, especially rest. So absolutely. And uh, and if, John, to your point earlier, if if we had Ken on this podcast, I don't think any of us would get a word in. Honestly, <laughs> no, five minutes in, we've been talking about fishing. He and, he and Kevin be talking about the, you know, what they what they caught last weekend. <laughs> exactly. And so, so John, you founded the program in 1984, and after 17 consecutive seasons, you you headed up the swim team over at West Point, returning back to the Friars for 15 more consecutive years. So, doing the math, it's 32 years as the Friars head coach. We've had countless of different Friars be asked this question. I don't think uh, anyone who has been here as long as you. What has made Friartown so special for you? It's the people. I mean, it, you know, it looks a lot different, obviously. Things have been built. It's, you know, it's crazy special. You know, the place has never looked better, but it's, it's the bottom line. It's the people. Newell uh, says it all the time. He, I mean, Newell doesn't. Newell coaches because he loves coaching and loves the people that he, you know, gets to, to work with. Uh, Ken, I mean, you know, why does he come across the street and help out? You know, the people that are involved with our program do it because they love the, you know, working with the student athletes and people that we get, um, you know, they're driven. I mean, I, I said it once, you, you guys have all heard me say it. And we got nothing going for each other, nothing going for us except each other. And when when you boil it down to that, that's ex that's exactly what you want. Um, you know, you want to be able to to rely on each other. You want to push each other. You want to you want to motivate each other and inspire each other to be able to be ready and get get you ready. And I want you all ready for those championship moments, whether it's Harold in the fall or whether it's Big East in the spring, uh, you know, again, that kind of, the championship meet performances at those types of events erases an awful lot of, you know, life gets in the way sometimes and you gotta pick yourself up and move on and everybody learns those lessons at some point. I don't, very few people have gone through four years of smooth sailing uh, in college and you're gonna have those bumps, but you know, it's also, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, it's, it's really being ready for those, those moments and, and, and making the most of them. If you're lucky, you get four championship meets, you know, in a, in a career in college. And as Kevin alluded to earlier, you know, you, as a freshman, you don't even realize uh, how draining a conference meet is. It, it is emotionally, physically, I mean, physically, you're like, okay, I've done this before. I've gone to this meet or that meet. I've won, you know, six times in three days and all that, but not at this kind of intensity. It is just a whole different beast. And, you know, we had one of our freshmen who had a great year. I mean, just a really great year. Even under these crazy circumstances, you know, by Saturday, he was cooked. <laughs> and he had some swims to go. Yeah, I looked at him and he looked at me. And he says, I don't know if the legs are there, coach. 
And I said, yeah, they're there. You just ask. They're there. And he just had a really good, uh, again, final swim that day. But, I mean, he was just cooked. And, and that, that wasn't physically, that was emotionally at that point. And, and again, you, you lean on your upperclassmen at that point. It's no, no mystery that sophomores and juniors and seniors, our seniors swam really, really good this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with, with, again, very little behind them. Uh, and a lot of emotion, uh, you know, all of them, all of them uh, just posted some really great, a lot of lifetime bests, you know, all season bests, all tough swims, just what you'd want on the girl's side, on the guy's side, uh, you know, just the way you want to go out um, and what you dream about. So um, just a really, really good experience. And again, um, Providence, a pretty special place. Uh, we like to, you know, after all, after you show people around, whatever, that we just want them to spend time with the people that are there. And when they do, uh, you know, if they connect, then they're going to be, they're going to be good friars. I couldn't say it better myself. And I know Kevin and Justin would agree with that. Um, I still the most special place that I have in my heart. And uh, even though it's been two years since I've stepped foot in the net uh, competitively, it's still uh, still a special place in my heart. Uh, so besides the obvious and getting back to a normal season, a normal school year, a normal Friar Town, after a year like this, and I'll start with Justin, what's the big goal uh, for your senior season? Um, I would say as a team, I mean, to be able to probably- – he probably hasn't given it one second of thought. <laughs> Which is why we ask the tough questions here, John. <laughs> you know, man, after the two five, I've been planning this out immediately. <laughs> um, I would say as a team, I mean, to definitely build off of what we just did. What we did was fantastic, but coming into next year, it's basically raised off in terms of obviously not the records are still going to be there in terms of what we did. No one's going to care about that. We have a new season to prove ourselves especially being a senior, just being able to hopefully lead the team to the best it can be. But besides that individually, um, just leave no regrets because I know it's my last year competing and that's um, kind of weird to say out loud. But yeah, those are my two goals mostly. Yeah, Kevin, uh, over to you. How do you how do you prepare to, to defend your title here? Um, yeah, I know with Georgetown coming back, Georgetown has a lot of good swimmers and a lot of good pressure. So I know it'll it'll be extremely hard to, to win. Um, or I know it'll be hard to win. So I'll just try to work, work, work as hard as I can this summer and during the season, and just um, give it, a, give it a good shot again, give it, put up a good fight. Love it, love it. And John, you're not getting out of this question. Uh, what's, <laughs> what's the biggest goal for you as a program for Providence College swimming and diving and going into the 2022 season, if you, if you've thought about it, <laughs> which I know you have. Well, I've even brought it up at staff meetings with our entire staff, not not Margaret and I talking in the office, but the, the whole athletic staff. Come September, Justin's class, if you will, the, the current juniors are the only ones that have spent a normal year at college, just one year, their freshman year. Their sophomore year was ended by COVID. Their junior year was this year. Again, nothing normal about this year at all. And so when we get to September, three of our classes, 75% of our athletes at school haven't been through a normal year, start in September, go home in May, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. And so when they all move in in August, my goal, again, week to week, just everything, everybody gets settled. Let's, let's just, let's just put one week after another, continue to move through September and October and, and take advantage of the competition opportunities we have and get ready for Harold. Uh, it is that simple. Um, and you know, I, if anything, uh, the book, uh, Keep It Simple Stupid, uh, is the way I like to work uh, things. Let's just simplify things. If you show up and you do work and you work, if you work hard, th- good things are gonna happen. If you consistently work hard, it's really likely good things are going to happen. And, and, and so these are things that we, uh, as you all know, teach and preach, and it's because they fundamentally work. And um, we're just going to go back to what we're doing and, um, and try and really make our rising seniors aware that 
they're the only ones that have been through a normal year. Uh, and, and we want next year to be uh, a normal collegiate year, just like everybody else in the, in the country. Um, we just, you know, we may, we may be wearing masks, we may be doing, you know, some things, um, but uh, everything's trending in the right direction. Um, and, and we hope that that just continues as everybody, you know, finishes up here and heads home for their summer. And um, we're going to have, you know, some, some people around this summer that we're going to be able to train again. And so, um, again, we, we are inching back to normal. And, and that kind of overall broad statement is not lost on me at all. Um, and when I bring it up to people, they, they you know, just kind of, it just, it, it really resets you. You know, 75% of the students at, 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 at our school and, and, and at college haven't been through a normal collegiate year yet. Uh, and that's all anybody wants. Um, just get back to normal, get back to, you know, what we all so desperately miss, the, the, the maddening routine of our sport. Uh, once it was taken away from everybody, including Katie Ledecky for a while, um, you know, you, you just, um, you immediately had every swimmer in the country trying to get to practice somewhere, a lake, you know, whatever, backyard pool, in-ground pool, together, <laughs> right? In your, in your, uh, in your house, uh, wh whatever it took, uh, quite literally became the, the, an actual mantra and not just a, uh, some kind of hashtag, you know, you know, crap statement everybody was, actually, everybody was actually living it yeah no yeah you bring up a good point we've had swimmers on the show who have talked about that whole like swimming in my backyard or you know not everyone is michael andrew and have a 50 meter pool in their backyard so it, it's uh it is a it was a difficult year and i like even me sitting here having graduated you saying that statement of 75 percent of students haven't experienced a full college year that even made me go oh my goodness like i i didn't even realize that like that's quite eye-opening stuff and i honestly and you guys know this from the bottom of my heart wish you guys all the best uh next year and hopefully well, not hopefully. I know I'll be back uh, in Friartown and cheering you guys on in, in, in this new season. And I really appreciate all three of you coming on. And I'm John, I hope we got enough out of you and uh, not, not hog the mic too much. But uh, I really appreciate you guys <laughs> coming to chat. And uh, I wish you guys all the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Go Friars. Go Friars. Go Friars. Yes, sir. <laughs> So a big thank you to John, Justin, and Kevin for coming on this week's show. Let me take a trip down memory lane with some of those questions and just getting to hear a little bit more about their historic season. Their record-breaking season was so fun for me. I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much. Be sure to go check Providence College Swimming and Diving out on Instagram, and I'll leave links to Kevin and Justin's Instagram as well in the description of this week's podcast. Thank you guys so much for continuing to show the support for this show. Uh, it's crazy to think we're so close to that 10,000 mark. I definitely think we're going to hit it uh, by the time this podcast hits a one-year mark. So thank you guys so much. If you like what you're listening to, keep telling your friends about it. Keep telling your coworkers about it. Maybe you talk to your dog about it. I don't know, but whatever it is, it seems to be working. So thank you guys so much. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at normalguylazyeye to see clips from this week's episode and I'll, I'll leave the shameless plugs at the door. Thank you guys so much, and I will see you all next week.